Welcome to the Humanize the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. I'm not an Arsenal supporter, but I heard Arsene Wenger having a little chat a few weeks ago on the radio as I drove home. And he said, the reason why I love football, he said, you can go to the theatre and you can watch the show, the same show, and it's always going to end when it's meant to end. And it's the story is always the same. He said, you can put the same 22 people on the pitch and you'll end up with a different result every time. And it will be unique. Those interactions with our clients will be unique. How do you and your firm secure the future fees, future profits and future capital value of your firm? Well, the key is secure client loyalty. The big question is, how do you do that? Well, the best route to securing client loyalty is have high quality conversations with those clients every year, several times a year if you can. But how do you do that? Well, in this podcast, David Belbin of Clemens Hoare Cummings and I lock horns over the use of or the need for a formula or a scripting process attached to your client meetings. And David makes a really strong point about the importance of the interaction and the flexibility needed in that interaction with your clients. So why not dive into this podcast and see how you can get a blend and a balance of scripting and flexibility that make every client conversation brilliant so that you build client loyalty and therefore build your fees, profits and capital value. David, before we kick off, can uh, I ask you just to tell us a little bit about your firm to put everything into context for us? Okay, so Clements Hall Cummings uh, is currently a three-director business um, with 22 other uh, team members. Uh, we have a separate wealth management subsidiary um, and we uh, turnovers just around one and a half million marks, something like that. Um, we've got about a thousand clients um, and it's a general practice. We probably do more not-for-profits uh, for our size than uh, many clients of a, or many practices of a, a similar type. Uh, we have a good range of uh, GP, sort of doctors, healthcare area. Um, and But apart from that, it's just a general accountancy practice, providing accountancy tax planning advice for owner-managed businesses, um, primarily. A few subsidiaries of uh, foreign-owned businesses uh, where they think they can get some better value for money for audit work. Um, and so that keeps us quite busy, thank you. It, it sounds as though it would if you've got a 1,000 clients. Presumably some of those, a chunk of those are tax return-only clients, David, are they? Yes, a, a number are, yeah. We've got about 400 tax return-only clients with... Um, they'll have some rental income uh, many of them uh, some investment income uh, but but yeah that's that would be about it yeah yeah. It, yeah it's a good number of really just it's it's the tax compliance work but then you have conversations at the time we're, we're speaking we're doing some tax returns for a few clients who uh, are sort of fairly late with their uh, returns this year and um, there's some people with uh, some planning 
uh, opportunities come through as a result of just talking about what's on their tax returns. Of course, of course. Brilliant. When, when I say uh, we're, we're talking about humanise the numbers, what, what, what does that phrase actually mean for you? Well, actually, it rings quite nice bells because I say to my team all the time, accountancy is about people. It's not about numbers. And because we're all unique, every single business is going to be unique because it there's there's no you can have your systems for do how you do stuff for processes but everything's got to flex providing it's not law to those individuals and it's about understanding that actually the the practice is not the practice it's a bunch of people and we've got to deal with our team as individuals so so humanizing numbers works for me on on two three levels Right, one's the team, one's the your customers, and my clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah your clients. Um, uh, is there a third one? Sorry. Well, I think it's about the team. It, it's about the clients and anybody else we interact with. But it, it, they're all part of the team. Yeah. So there's I, I, sometimes with some firms that talk about the, the community. So that might be you know your the introducers that refer clients to you it might be yeah. suppliers. It might be mm. you know whoever. Mm. Um, but you can't get away from the fact that we're all interacting with humans all of the time and we're accountants or you're accountants talking about numbers mm. all the time. So it is a, a blend and a balance of the two. Um, mm. but, but from what you're saying there, you're giving emphasis to the human bit rather than the numbers bit. And you'd think an accountant yes. would pursue the, uh, and put an emphasis on the numbers bit, wouldn't you? Well, you would do. But I think um, the numbers tell a story about what the humans are doing. Now, that's an interesting line. So the numbers tell a story what the humans are doing. So expand on that for me. What do you mean by that? Well, if the uh, if the business owner is uh, very aggressive in terms of trying to grow his business, um, then those numbers may may show big marketing spends, but also show bigger big sales increases. Alternatively, if the client is there for a lifestyle, as accountants can be, yeah, then they're going to be cruising along, minimal market spend, marketing spend, and the numbers are going to look the same year in, year out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No big changes. Yeah. Until you get something like COVID hit. <laughs> then, then, then uh, uh, have we ever had a bigger curveball? I'm not sure we have. Um, I don't think we have, yeah. no. So, so the numbers tell a story. Whether you're a business owner, non-accountant, or whether you're an accountant, the numbers are going to tell some of the story, but not the whole story. Is that is that a fair comment? Yeah, that's very fair. All right. So, yeah. so how do you as a firm go hunting for the full story with clients? By talking to them. By having a a bit like you've got an agenda you want to work to in some ways today. You want to pull some bits out of me. I, we will want to pull bits out of uh, when we uh, out of our clients when we're having conversations, just to tease out from them. And again, it's not just about the numbers. You want to know about their life story for the last three months since you last saw them. Or whatever. Yeah. Because if something's happening in their lives, it will impact on the business. Yeah, yeah. And it then allows you to look forward and think about inheritance tax planning and all the other ways one can sort of try and populate the future with your client. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, who in your firm then, uh, David, is um, uh, going in pursuit of those client non-numerical stories? Clearly you are. Who who else in your firm is having conversations with clients about the non-accountancy stuff? Well, uh, my fellow directors are. Right. Because we talk about trying to do that and that's how we try and teach our managers to uh, spot opportunities and try and create openings. Right. So, so how, how many altogether, directors and managers, so how, how many are client-facing in that uh, As a team, we've got 25. Right. Um, client-facing, well, everybody's client-facing because our admin support team will be picking up the phone. We have a, we have a director of first impressions called our receptionist. Yeah. And um, the... So they're all client-facing in, in different roles. There's nobody that doesn't speak to clients. With one exception, we have a part-time uh, uh, employee who does some scanning for us. Yeah. So of, of the 25, uh, how many are, are actually having those life story conversations as opposed to accountancy conversations? I would think seven. Seven, right, okay. Seven or eight, yeah. And uh, how, how do you track the quality of those conversations, David? Um, I would say that we are not keeping... Well, we, we're putting records on file after meetings, but is it being done in a structured way? Uh, well, we're, we're trying to bring in a sort of measured scorecard, sort of balanced scorecard approach, so what service lines are we doing... Um, uh, uh, what service lines are available for our clients so that we, we can see where we can try and grow some of those uh, areas. Right, okay. So, so okay. What service lines are we doing oh. across, the, across the top? Okay. Clients name down, who's doing, who's doing bits. So, so that sort of does sort of help us because we know that when we're going in to see the clients or speak to them. So wh- where have you got to with this uh, client scorecard? That's interesting, uh, really interesting that. It's... it's uh, each 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 director's got his uh, got his portfolio. Yeah, it's far more difficult with the because we have a for our larger clients is easy because th- there's a smaller number, uh, but for our team that works in the owner man- very well, they're mainly owner managed businesses, but for the very small clients where we we're providing some accountancy advice. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say grubby subbies because that's not the right word for them. We have very few subcontractor clients. Yeah, actually. yeah. Um, but it, it, it's it's a very small. Yeah, micro, the micro businesses. It, yeah, the micro businesses where they deal with a large number. They're speaking to the clients at very few times a year, really. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's very definitely a simple compliance type engagement that we have yeah they might be on fixed fees um and those for for the manager and partner who deal with those that is a lot of conversations to try and have yeah yeah. what we try and we try and pass those up to the team that look after clients in a slightly different way um uh, so we've got two teams really um and they represent the larger client team probably represent about sixty uh, percent of the practice yeah. in terms of fees and costs. Yeah, um, and you know th- there's a bit of flow through. And where we had um, we had a partner um, uh, have to cease work in 
in middle of January last year because mm. his Parkinson's disease took a sudden turn for the worse. And so we've had to take on a whole load of clients. I've, I've been working with a, a senior manager to... This was meant to happen at the start of this year yeah. or with a handover period through through 2020 well there would have been no physical meetings yeah. given covid but it would have been nice to have some zoom meetings yeah. with the client who uh but poor martin ended up in a care home so we've 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 not had that handover but you know if you are working with a client for 30 years as martin was yeah 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 um he's populated some of those areas but there's whole vast swathes of elements of that portfolio where conversations are now being had that oh martin never talked to us about that right interesting interesting and is, is it really the, interesting is, is it your is it the, the personalities that are having those conversations or is it your firm's approach to the scorecard that's driving that which, which way is i th- i think it well i i think it's it's probably my view that we need to do things differently um and i think um well, without wishing to be, it, Martin would have a way of doing things, yeah. which was generally more compliance-based. Yeah, he'd deal with the clients, move on to the next one, deal with the clients, move on to the next one. Yeah, and I would tend to have a more well because I, I guess because I'm going in essentially to supervise the senior manager, I'm having those conversations at the planning level. Yeah. Senior managers having the compliance thing, and we're doing some mentoring at the same time, so that he understands what I want him to be doing. Yeah, and I've released my portfolio, which is uh, to, to uh, one of my other directors. So he's looking after those relationships because he's been with them, working as my manager previously for a number of years, and we knew the change was coming. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, faster very than quickly. you were expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that's beginning to 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 bear some fruits, and we've through that and some of those conversations we picked up some interesting work um outsourcing accountancy uh the the bookkeeping and uh, as well as payroll but where there have been changes because we've been talking in a different way they said oh can you do this and can you do that right which martin was getting as well but we've we've managed to grow that side as well which is good right so so i guess uh, your answer to the question is it the scorecard or the personalities that's driving the I change i think it's a mixture of both you, you you need to have a decision this is what we're going to do right and the scorecard probably helps right. focus on that and, and so have you got a distinct set of numbers that you're looking to uh, build for every client so you can compare and contrast or is it more bespoke than that i think it's more bespoke than that and it's it's not we do we have a formula that says we're going to do this, this, and this? No, we're we're not You're there not yet. There yet but right, I think okay. we're, we could be. Right. We could easily be. Um, I think that, that that's the side of the practice we we need to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibly. Well, th- th- this comp- without becoming formulaic. Um, yeah, I'm going to challenge that one, uh, but not yet. Um, without it becoming formulaic, we'll get to that. Um, I just want to pick up on a couple of things first. The the the, the first one being. Um, there's this uh, nothing quite as stark is there in terms of how um, uh, an exiting partner or manager and then uh, an existing partner manager picking up on their client bank 
and and by definition just the personality the the nature of the conversation and relationship changes it's bound to it's just inevitable mm. isn't it it is yeah. it, it absolutely is um uh, and that uh, can be a good thing um in terms yep. of the fees and capital value for the firm um or it can be a bad thing if it's managed and handled in 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 the wrong way and clearly what you were endeavoring to do was to ensure that there was that sort of transition from uh, mm. old partner to new partner slash manager which was curtailed because of the uh, of martin's illness and and therefore you were all thrown in the deep end with people really that you don't know clients that you don't know um so it's proper stark contrast isn't that there's a, like a stop and a start there's no transition mm. at all um, the, yeah the, the other lesson i think we've learned is that those clients and it, it is the case across most of the rest of the portfolio of the practice most most clients have two more senior people that they can pick up the phone to they would know what's happening uh, and Martin would keep his portfolio very much to himself oh right okay all right and and so so one's you know the, the whole aim is to try and put as many have as many relationships that nobody is indispensable yes because um, i think i think it then creates an opportunity for one or two clients to think well if if the engagement partner's gone um should i be looking elsewhere or i've got a mate um i've been st- sat with engagement partner for for a while um waiting for him to retire and then I'll move and there have been one or two conversations like that of course I think we've retained we've retained about 90% of that fee base which is not too bad yeah yeah no I think that's that's uh, given what you've had to deal with that's that's uh, that's that's almost remarkable that is um but I think you know no one is indispensable however the client relationship component is 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 critical isn't it is what you're saying yeah and actually i think it's your approach which is you've i I got a a primary point of contact for the client and you've got a secondary point of contact for the client so they've always got two people Mm. to um to relate to talk to maybe on different things um has clearly as far as all the work i've done with firms over the last couple of decades um made a a huge difference and also facilitates that transition that handover from one partner Mm. to the next as well um, yeah. or from a, a partner who's looking to offload certain clients to free them up to go and do other work that that it's which, important in that which space which is as what well, we've just it? done yeah and so so lee who i um, passed some of those clients to his uh we're making sure that he's got somebody working to him on a consistent basis so the second relationship gets built up over time although those yeah. clients can always talk to me if they need to yeah yeah, yeah. Times. fantastic and, and i think some sometimes that gets lost in this um preservation of client relationship oh that's mine no 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 it's not yours it's the firms that that's a very different context isn't yeah. it? yeah a practice with more than one director cannot work in silos Oh, they can, David. I'm sorry. Well, no, so <laughs> they can. I see them. <laughs> I did add a word, and I said sensibly that works sensibly in a, fair. Because you, you, if you try and be, uh, if if you've got strengths, I won't look at solicitors, and one of my other directors will do. Yeah, yeah. He won't look at not for profits, whereas yes. I will. Yes. Um, and uh, so you play to your strengths, don't you? You do. You do. Um, and you've got to be willing to pass stuff across and say actually this isn't for me or i'm full at this time of the year can you do that 
and then we can grow yeah 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 i, I think um something that isn't necessarily managed as well strategically in firms that could be and, 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 and you know every firm's different and some are stronger than this and, and, and others are less strong and some are weak is this um how do you grow your people internally well you have to expose them to the client relationship work not just the compliance work absolutely and and then over time if you exp- so they they watch you doing it and then at a later stage so that might happen in one or two or three meetings and then they you, you encourage them to take part more and take more responsibility for the relationship management part of the meeting and eventually you can bow out of that meeting so that might be you know five meetings over a year and a half depending on how close you are with that client and the work you're doing with them but it's um, you can transition some high quality relationships to someone else as long as the process is managed well with that two points of contact. Yeah, um, I think uh, yeah. you know that approach, and, and clearly it stood you in good stead with um, with Martin's Martin's clients. So uh, in, in that describing of what what's taken place in there, there was the uh, my question around the scorecard points to, um, and I asked the question around how how do you track and know that the quality of the conversations are high enough. And, and it's that, well, that's quite hard to do. And so it doesn't often get done in firms. Whereas the, you'd, you'd argue that it's easier to track and measure the quantity of client interaction, calls and meetings or Zoom meetings, if now we're in remote working. Mm. Um, but I've, I see very few firms who actually take seriously the tracking and measuring of the quantity of interaction with clients. So what, what are you doing in your firm around that? Um, I think for the last year, year and a half, uh, certainly for the last 12 months, let's say, I think, as with many firms of accountants, we've been firefighting. Yeah. I mean, it's been a very, very hard year. Very hectic, yeah. Uh, so we aren't doing uh, a return of how many client phone calls we've made, how many client meetings we've had. Of course. We've just been dealing with stuff as it comes in. Yeah. Um, have we ever done that? Well, we started trying to. And frankly, people were having meetings for meetings' sakes and clients didn't appreciate it. Um, or we were having, or people were uh, making up conversations that hadn't happened. We had a, uh, so that that's not a, that's not a, that's a good not, way to do no, things. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not going to have people not telling me the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, or being economic with it. Um, so, so we... Uh, here yes we 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 are not doing that whether we want to change how we do things i think i think our practice is is we're working working to change a few things and that's that's part of it i think just create a little bit more rigor but without creating straitjackets i don't want a series of db clones in the practice that's not going to be good yeah, because the, the the personality piece is important, isn't it? And yeah, you know, there's there's been one or two other podcasts and and, and in, in those discussions, they're very much pointed to the fact that they've got you know a blend and a balance of personalities in the practice that lend themselves to, like you said, you know, some lend themselves to working with solicitors, some lend themselves to working with not for profit, some lend themselves to high growth businesses, others lend themselves to nice steady eddies who just want to um, you know mm. pay the mortgage, have good holidays, and have a lifestyle business. There's you know um, square pegs, square holes, round pegs, round holes type um, uh, mm. discussion, but uh, but. I'm sensing another aspect of you, uh, what you pointed earlier to was this, uh, don't re- uh, you haven't got any faith in running a formula around the scorecard. 
because every person and every business is unique. Have I understood that right? Well, I think every person and every business is unique. Yes, uh, yes. You you can you can you can formulate or you can tabulate that, and you can say, okay, well, do they have employees? Are we doing their payroll? Yeah. Do they are they registered for VAT? Are we doing their VAT returns, or who, who's doing that bit? Yeah. You know, is 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 there an outsourced function or not? Who's providing those? But then I think you've you've in many ways I think that's a that's a given. The the next bit is to say, do we know what they want out of their business in ten or fifteen years' time? What are we doing to help them achieve that? Uh, what are what is their planning? You know, um, um, we touch. You know, we've we've touched on on the bereavement counselling and relate counselling and all the other bits of counselling. What we do in relationship? How does that impact on sort of formal advice that we might be giving? Yeah about how they may want to deal with stuff, deal with how do I look after my grandchildren now that I've got some money and my, my children haven't and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about my clients. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so all of those things. Mm. Um, and and should, we, should we be, um, certainly on our larger clients, uh, should we be systematizing that possibly yeah or building a formula around it yeah mm. i see i i find it um really interesting that idea of having a client scorecard um because by definition it creates an agenda for a meeting doesn't it mm. and um i don't think there's anything more powerful than having a well-structured uh, uh agenda that drives a well-structured meeting that delivers massive value to the client now is there an argument for unstructured meetings and discussions? Yes, of course there is. But, um, you know, the client's working with you and your firm because they want to get a value return on investment from the time mm. and money that they uh, are spending with you. And mm. um, and I'm, I'm of the thinking that, and, and actually all the evidence I've got is whenever a firm introduces an agenda, which could, and now I'm taking from this call myself, that that agenda could, should be mainly or partly driven by a client scorecard process. I, li I really like that idea. Um, but ultimately, it's like, can we drive the agenda, which then drives the discussion, which influences the questions we ask, and mm. which delivers the value in the meeting? Because, well, the, the, sorry, the, there's, in my head, and I, I hope you'll disagree or agree, either way, I'm, I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say is, isn't the most valuable moment in the client relationship each year when you actually get together with them as opposed to any piece of compliance work that you do with them? I sense that they, um, uh, one of the other um, speakers, if you like, on the circuit, talks about an iceberg of um, of work, and they see the bit that's above the water, which is the client meeting, or the client interaction. They don't see all the stuff that's going on underneath the surface. To particularly audits, I think, where they have clients have no idea what you're having to do. Yes, and don't um, appreciate the effort, but actually, or therefore, yeah. also don't necessarily appreciate the value that they're getting either. Correct. Yeah. Um, the value, I think, is where you've asked a question, and they've thought about it, and they said, ah, and then they want you to do something, mm. and you then can deliver. So you've not they've made the buying decision you've not done any selling and it that's just 
part of it, I guess. Well, it, it is. It's easy to say. Well, and I agree with you, by the way. I think, um, you know, if, if you ask the right questions, they'll, um, get, you know, it, uh, there's nothing almost quite as valuable as going, oh, that's a good question. I've not thought of that before. It's a, you know you're mm. in a valuable territory once that, you know, if you're in that sort of conversation. Mm. Um, but can we bring a system or formula based on a scorecard maybe that uh, drives those conversations with every client throughout the firm you know because often mm. the um you know that that, that additional work um advisory work if you will tends to revolve around the leaders of a firm as opposed to actually it being scaled further into the firm through the managers and and and, and below if, uh, mm. if if i can use that phrase um and so I, I'm, I'm challenging a lot of firms that I work with around this, you know, what are the three primary questions you want to ask every client this year that stimulates a high value conversation that prompts the client to uh, consider doing some extra work with you, for example. Now, we don't want to ask the questions so that it's exclusively about you getting extra work. It's about the, you ask the questions to engage in a high value conversation with that client for the sake of it because then they will appreciate you and you'll have built client loyalty. They'll stay with you even if they don't buy extra fees. Um, mm. So I, I guess I'm just, I get, I'm trying to lay a, a gauntlet down here, David, around um, I think your idea of a scorecard is inspired. And, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're in a recessionary period in the UK, thanks to uh, everything that's happened in the last 12 months, uh, which is, uh, you know, thrown curveballs into the economic and business system we've never seen before. Um, but we're going to come out the other side at some point. And so this year, 2021 is going to be about um, businesses getting ready for growth post-recession, because typically what happens after a recession is growth. And, you know, what is it accountants like you do in terms of engaging in clients that helps that your your clients set up for that growth that's going to come in 22 and 23 and beyond? And I, I'm just wondering mm. is what are the questions, the formulaic questions attached to your client scorecard that could be uh, could be asked? I don't know. What do you think of that process, that idea? Well, I think it's a very fair one. I think the um, those questions I sense for the many, many businesses that have taken out um, uh, uh, a bounce back loan or taking out a C bills loan. Yeah. The question is, what additional cash are you going to generate that's going to allow those to be repaid over the next seven years, and how are we going to manage those cash flows? Brilliant. I agree. I think I think that that's a, a massively valuable conversation that has to be had with every B bills and C bills business that's taken those. I agree. I think that's uh, so, Kissy. That's um, you know, that could be a whole meeting, couldn't it? That conversation that, from one question. Well, it could be. From one question, yeah, yeah, and and it will need some more because it it will need some cash flows. They will have done. They will have needed to do some cash flows around the C bills work, but not about the B bills. Yeah, uh, and and they won't necessarily have thought about the repayment process. Um, as well as I, I, I do wonder, David, as well is are, are all the businesses using that cash in the right way as well? There's another conversation, another question to be posed around what are they do, what have they done so far, and what are they going to do with what's left mm -hmm. of their B bills and C bills? There's another yeah. valuable question there. Well. Actually, I think it's it, there's there's the obvious loan, which is the the loan, uh, the bounce back loan. But the same people who took the bounce back loans will probably have deferred their VAT. 
Um, so it's a bigger conversation, which anyways, could be a similar number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that payback thing becomes even more relevant, and important need mm. for cash flow forecasting, and, and more support from more firms or their accountancy firm mm. um, makes uh, makes eminent sense. Um, David, I, I get the impression that um, the vast majority of your firm's fees are compliance-oriented fees. Have, have I have I understood that right? I would think about 85% to 90% of our work is compliance-based. Okay. Um, and, and that's protected us significantly in the last 12 months. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, a good insight, actually. Um, I think the... Uh, and, and because it's a, a widespread business with no client of ours is more than 3% of our, our practice... I'm hoping that it's going to be fairly recession-proof. Yeah. Um, because I think we've got some rocky, uh, rocky and hard times ahead of yeah, us. Yeah, there are some rocky times, um, which will precede, I think, the takeoff. But when when that comes, who knows? But we've got some. Yeah. Rocky, I agree. There's yeah, some rocky, got, rocky got, road to uh, ride yeah, first. It is. It is mainly compliance, but planning comes out of all the, the planning work, the consultancy work. Some bits get phoned in, so we we get some we get some work from uh, because we're doing a bit of work in one place. So I do get some solicitors asking for some capital gains tax advice on divorces, uh, and that's not compliance work. But more often than not, the other ten percent is doing projects for clients, existing clients. Mm. So <laughs> one question that occurs to me is, in my experience. Um, the the vast majority of conversations with business owners and I, my, my you know that that's the core place that I, I, I operate in is how do we help um, encourage accounts to do more stronger better work with their business owner clients is that the vast majority of the conversations are focused on what's happened in the past you know the management accounts in the past the tax returns referring to stuff in the past the you know annual accounts referring to stuff in the past where's your firm at on this is that right or should we be having more future focused conversations which therefore result in more advisory fees now where uh, are you at with that I'm, uh, I'm doing very little driving at the moment but when i drive 90 percent of my time is spent looking forwards and i might look in my mirrors yeah uh to see what's behind me or around me but I'll generally look forward yeah and so the conversations that we have with our clients we'll deal with the um with the compliance stuff we'll hopefully if by the time we end up with a set of accounts to talk to our clients we've dealt with all the questions of that we might have um before the meeting so we use where we can yes yeah so good uh so my team will have spoken to the bookkeeper financial controller or whoever it is or the or the business owner and said look can you just run through the debtors before we have the meeting so we're not having a conversation about uh who's paid us and who hasn't paid us mm. we're having a conversation about where the business might go right when we're having and and yes we've done the accounts this is when we think the tax is going to be payable or we know when the tax is going to be payable this is what we think it is yeah is there Anything else we need to know? I think more in, on on the unincorporated businesses. If you know that there's going to be um, a recession, as we are in now, you're having conversations about can we reduce those payments on account? Mm. 
well, that, that that might be quite an easy conversation if you've got a person with a main employment uh, and secondary source of income that has dried up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what of, of your, uh, say, 600 uh, business clients, uh, ex- not talking about your 400 tax return only clients, of those 600 clients, how many will you meet uh, every year, David, across the firm? Actually, physically see face to face. I think we'll probably fifth, probably see about five hundred of them. Right. Okay. At different times in the year. Right. Okay. We do. We do see most clients. Good. There's very few clients we don't see. So we've um, got. I don't like that from a money laundering point of view. I'd like to be able to see the clients. Good, and um, presumably that's mostly in a post-year end annual accounts review meeting, it, is it? Yes. Or sometimes when they bring the stuff in. Right. Okay. Okay. Because uh, certainly at the smaller smaller end, uh, they'll bring the clients. Mm. The clients will bring the the work in, and at that point, my team will be saying, "Is there anything we need to know?" Right. Okay. Um, so I've got. Uh, I'm going back to this quantity versus quality measurement piece around this, but I'm just wondering, mm. of those 500 meetings with clients, how many of them are predominantly a future focused discussion? Do you think a future focused conversation? I would think fifty percent of those client those meetings will have have a future element to it. Right, and so, and so I, I, I'm getting a sense, David, that you've actually got a formula you're running. You just don't want to call it a formula. Well, we might have a formula that we're running, but we don't. We don't. It's not a structured thing. It's it's yeah. it's a discussion piece that we've had at director and manager level that we. Are trying to tease out. Yeah, we have not systematised this. Yeah. Um, if I systematise it and say, okay, fill this in every time you have a meeting. Yeah. Is that going to make it formulaic? And there's, the, I think there's a, a sort of frisance around that, if you like. There's just, just, uh, just. Um, I think it would be really useful from a. Uh, marketing trying to understand what's exactly happening in the business to yeah. have that I would know more about my business if everybody is filling that in yeah but the question is am I how often am I going to actually look at that for the time it might take to to write those of elements of report and and actually whether we look at it or not it's not that isn't the issue is it it's how is it going to help you better help clients, better grow your team and better build the firm. That's um, yep. Management information should do that, shouldn't it? And if it's just, we're just capturing it for the sake of capturing it, then it, it, yeah, it, it, there's no merit to it. Not. Yeah. It's, it's just a waste of time. It's what we use it for. And, yeah. Correct. And, and if, if, if people are, if it's part of their DNA yeah. in, within the practice, then maybe you don't need to measure it because we've done the teaching. But Anybody coming in, we'd need to make sure that they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But most of our talent is homegrown. In fact, yeah, I've only got one of my qualified teams, sorry, one of my directors and one of my qualified members of staff did not start at this firm. Right. So you've got that uh, history within the firm. But I'd, I'd like to, uh, I'm just going to change tack slightly and then come back to this. Um, uh, which is your preferred um, uh, entertainment media? Theatre, uh, cinema, television, box sets? It would probably be television. Right, okay. Um, and then uh, I don't do box sets hugely, although we've watched one recently. Um, cool. So, uh, favourite television programme? Oh, 
Line of Duty, probably. All right, and that sort and, of thing. and your favourite actor in Line of Duty? I couldn't tell you his name. All right, okay, but you've got an image of of of, of what yeah. he's like. Now, um, has he got good DNA acting skills? Yeah. Or has he learned them? Ah, there you go. Who knows? Or is it a blend uh, of the two? Uh, I would expect it's a bit of both. A blend of the two. Great. And so every episode of Line of Duty, uh, scripted or not scripted, are they winging it or are they actually... Uh, certainly not. No. All right. Fair point. And so can you see his sort of, there's, uh, he's done acting school or he's learned through experience and mm. he's following a script. Uh, which results in you appreciating the the program and their and his skill as an actor. In fact, you don't even notice his acting because you're absorbed in the um, in the discussion. But he is following a script, otherwise known as a formula. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the other parallel one could draw. Yes. Is the beautiful game. Um, I, I heard a heard a the beautiful uh, game being what? Sorry, just to check on football. That. Uh, no, no, uh, it's rugby. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, can, can, can we just let, let, let's talk about football for the moment? Uh, I'm not an Arsenal supporter, but I heard Arsene Wenger um, uh, having a little chat uh, a few weeks ago on the radio as I drove home uh, on one of the few days I was actually in my office, and he said the reason why I love football. He said, you can go to the theatre and you can watch the show, mm. the same show, and it's always going to end when it's meant to end, and it's, the story is always the same. He said, you can put the same 22 people on the pitch and you'll end up with a different result every time. Every game, yeah, yeah. And it will be unique. Yeah. Those interactions with our clients will be unique. And yes, you train people to do the certain things. You train people uh, not to be doing long passes across the back of the across the back four yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when they, when you're under press or whatever you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're drilled to do certain things. When they haven't got the ball, what formation do they get into? Yes, that's. But it's always going to be a different. Because it's. I, I guess I, I love the response. By the way, thank you for uh, challenging me on it. Um, it's interactive, uh, 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 yes. you know. A, a, th the pl a play or a TV program or a film isn't interactive. It's no, uh, you know entirely the, scripted and, and redone and redone and absolutely redone. and rehearsed. And I don't know how many takes of this podcast we're not doing. We're not. This is this isn't rehearsed. No, it's real life. And this could go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could, and it has. <laughs> um, and so, however. Um, Every, including us and every football manager and rugby coach and so on, uh, every game is they've got a plan for the game. They're anticipating what the opposition are going to do. Uh, they're, they're working out what they're going to do and they have a plan. Now, um, was it Mike Tyson who said, uh, you know, every, everyone's got a plan till they get punched on the nose and then it all goes, you know, out the window well, to a degree. But yeah, the, the armed forces would say uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Indeed, indeed. And yet they're all following a plan. And and yep. just you know, I think there's an argument for a formula which can respond to the interactivity that's taking place in that client conversation. And by the way, I think you're ultimately it uh, points to what you talked about earlier, which is the ask one or two or three high quality questions that are relevant to that client, and you've got a formula, a script that you're using for that client. And yes, mm. 
it sh the, the key part of that it's got to be relevant to that client because if you ask questions that aren't relevant you you look like a numpty don't you um and, and never going to deliver any value and yeah. so i i'd the the value i've got out of this call this conversation uh, david is that the, the the idea of a client scorecard that essentially creates a an agenda that you can you, you don't have to start at point one and work your way down you can in, you know you can go up and down wherever you want but ultimately if that um scorecard stimulates great questions to the client that are relevant to that client you'll always deliver great value and if you can train like we train the actors like we train and coach the football players and rugby players which I, I don't know whether you agree or not I don't think there's enough training and guidance and instruction and support and coaching going on in firms around how to conduct brilliant client meetings uh no and there's not. The, and and I think partly because we haven't worked out what the formula is for a brilliant client meeting. And by the way, that formula is a series of questions, I would argue. Mm. Well, I think it's a series of questions and the the ability of the person who's answering the the follow up question or to to understanding what the client response is. Yeah. And dealing with the follow-up question because you know you can script your questions. It's how you then take off that outer layer and then start peeling the onion, really back. digging. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and and that in itself is a skill which could be learned. So you, yeah. you ask the opening question, which then stimulates a. So you might find a you know you ask, um, and I'm going to use Neil Rackham's model here. You know, this I don't know if you're familiar with spin, situation, problem, implication, and needs payoff questions. So there's a formula for you eminently successful uh, and I could wax lyrical for the next hour and a half on that but um, situation question great you know how many people do you employ David oh you employ 25 how many of them are um, client facing oh there are seven and of the seven that are client facing how many of them are actually engaging in high value future focused conversations all right and how, how well is that paying off for you in cross-selling and referrals Oh, so you're not getting many referrals. What do you put that down to? And it's that whole sequencing of, of the questions that matter. And we only kick that off with one question. And I think, mm. uh, you know, that more effort and energy invested in that will pay off massive dividends, I think, in firms who are having... Um, and they're looking to waterfall client relationships away from the top table to managers so that the managers grow and we create capacity for mm. the firm to grow as well. I, I think yeah. it's a fundamental component which isn't given the emphasis, but... Um, that's just my humble opinion, which often doesn't come across as particularly humble, I know. So forgive me on that one. Well, the, uh, that, that idea of cascading, because as soon as a manager starts asking those, those types of questions to the, uh, to the client, that is when the high-value relationship starts. They move from being uh, a compliance gopher to being somebody that client can have relationship with and really value accountancy is about relationship yeah. and now we're circling back to humanize mm. the numbers it is about people this and um, therefore it's about the conversation which you brought up and therefore it's about the quality of the questions and therefore let's have a formula of some description which has got flexibility because no um, you know no plan survives first contact with the enemy you know you know that that, that piece mm. um, brilliant uh, I'm, I'm curious of everything we've talked about because I've loved the conversation. Thank you, Dave. Of everything we've talked about today, what what stood out for you? What's been of most value or something you want to most reflect on as far as you taking it back into your firm? Uh, I've been sat here thinking, well, we've just spouted about some stuff, uh, stuff we've talked about, but actually, do I want 
people to start uh, completing some I've talked about that tension of what are we reporting that we've talked about yeah. and making sure we get that scorecard I'm, I'm thinking about um, also what services are we providing for the client mm. and you you, um, you 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 made me stop and think actually how often are my team saying yeah well we've got that wealth management subsidiary mm. are we pointing enough people often enough or reminding them enough yeah that they're there yeah 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 David, this has been brilliant. It's just been a nuts and bolts conversation about what really matters in that uh, humanising the numbers piece that uh, accountants uh, are responsible for. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very, very, very much. So based on the conversation I've just had with David, you might be interested, David, and I'll share this with you direct, but anyone listening to this might want to uh, just tap into the bite-sized business breakthrough on the spin questions model formula from neil rackham so uh, we'll make that um we'll put that in the show notes for this podcast and you can get access to uh, that that shows you the what and the how of asking really really savvy questions of your clients you'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanizethenumbers.online you can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Satago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.